Before we get into this episode, we want to say thanks to the North Face for sponsoring the 2020 FKT of the Year Awards for North America. If you have been paying attention to what the North Face runners like Caitlin Gerben and Pau Capel were wearing during their FKT attempts this year, you'll know something special is coming from the North Face. Effective arrives January 26, 2021. Now let's hear from the North Face's own Hillary Allen, guest presenting this week with our host, Buzz Burrell, and Fastest Known Time, regional editor, Alex Bond. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. This is a special Fastest Known Time of the Year episode where we discuss the amazing FKTs that have been nominated for our annual award. I'm speaking with Alex Bond, a regional editor who processes all of the FKTs you submit in the Pacific Northwest and who lives in Seattle, Washington. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Hillary. I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah, and I'm also here with Buzz Burrell, same old guy, some old guy whose name you've probably heard of. I don't know, probably not, but uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging in, in there, Buzz. Well, thank you, Hillary. This is great. You've been on the podcast before, and you, Hillary Allen, are a professional podcaster, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess you could call me that. <laughs> you've done it before. Yeah. And I want all the listeners to go on to the written show notes where you can read about Alex. His little bio is on there. He lives in Seattle. He's a regional editor, so he is a major help, a big volunteer to process your FKT. And then Hillary's bio is also on the show notes, the girl who almost died. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes, I guess. That's not the name of my podcast either, so... (laughs) It's catchy, however. It's catchy. (laughs) And also factual, so. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. We're actually recording this on Monday, December 21st, so I could say happy solstice, but this is releasing on Christmas Day, December 25th, so happy holidays to all our listeners. Really, we appreciate it. It's our virtual community. Thanks for listening. Um, The FKT of the Year Award. Hillary, you've been voting on this. This is our fifth year. Have you been a voter from the, the start? I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah. I've, I've been I've been voting for quite a while. It's like one of my favorite times of the year. I really enjoy it. Just like kind of, I mean, I keep track of the FKTs just to kind of like on Strava and the community throughout the year, but it's always really cool to see like a compilation of them and just all the hard work that the running community has been putting in over the year. Right. And Alex, this is your first FKT of the Year award. Yeah, and I think that the FKT of the Year award is so interesting because you have to try to compare these wildly different things, you know, trying to compare which is cooler, you know, doing the Appalachian Trail that's going to take you 50 days or something like that versus some 50K route that maybe took somebody three or four hours and um, putting those two efforts in sort of the same bucket and sort of seeing what do we like about this? What do we like about that? It's a really fascinating way to look at these and that you don't necessarily see when you're talking about awards that look at races like ultra run of the year and, and, and other year end wrap up kind of things. Hillary, he got that message quickly, didn't he? This is really hard. Yeah, it's so hard, but it's actually, I mean, it's one of my favorite things because you get to see all the different parts of trail running and all the different styles uh, from the super long, adventurous, like self-supported, unsupported efforts to kind of like a more, quote unquote, race style effort, which we certainly did see this year because of the lack of races. 
Um, and there's a lot of battling out there um, on some, you know, some pretty rugged mountain courses and some pretty popular, um, I use air quotes here, but popular FKT routes. Um, so yeah, it was almost like we had our own little race season <laughs> in the trail running world. You're right. Well, Alex, that was impressive. You, you, you understood it right out of the gate there, which is, <laughs> dang, this is interesting. Then Hillary, you started off where, uh, why don't you continue with that, Hillary? It is a little different this year, isn't it? The, the kind of the landscape shifted in pandemic, uh, the year of the pandemic. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was the in um, France for the major part of the pandemic and I saw people going after, you know, FKTs all over Europe too. So it wasn't just something in the U.S. Of course, we're focusing on the U.S. in this podcast, but there were so many different efforts from a single push, like up and down a peak, um, for instance, Long's Peak. Um, that's a super iconic peak here in, in outside of Boulder, Colorado and Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, to something like the Tahoe Rim Trail, which, you know, there were actually several efforts, uh, both supported and unsupported um, and self-supported, actually, on this uh, Tahoe Rim Trail, which is a nearly 200-mile route around Lake Tahoe in California. Um, and then, you know, we saw some pretty just like, I mean, just maybe even some some um, FKTs that didn't even make the nomination list, but of just these random, like, in my opinion, like, you know, super random routes, but they're super rugged, like outside, you know, someone's backyard where they finally get the chance to explore some, you know, rugged mountain lion linking some peaks together that, you know, mean something to them. And it's, you know, probably a, you know, there'll never be a race course, but it's probably one of the most epic runs that they'll ever, you know, do in their career. So, um, yeah, I like to see all of those things. And I mean, I, I was like, you can go more into this too, Buzz, but the, um, the different style, I think this is something that's really hard to compare across the different FKTs. But it's something that I actually take into account when I consider um, difficulty and kind of novelty of these FKTs is um, self-supported versus unsupported versus supported. Right. Right. This is, we get a lot of comments on this and it's controversial, which is good. (laughs) I know. I think it's good too to have a discussion. I've never really wanted to be afraid of a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to clarify, we are quite clear that of the three styles, supported, self-supported, unsupported, none of the above is better or worse than the other. However, that doesn't mean that Alex or Hillary, as voters, you can decide what's most important to you. That's just fine. So for the <laughs> listeners should know that the voters are given kind of free range here. There are no objective parameters for you all to vote on. You vote for what inspires you. (laughs) That's it. So, Alex, uh, anything else on a major trend line for you? Or do you want to just call out some things that did move you? Well, one of the things that I thought was really cool was, and part of this was the no racing thing, but the degree to which there was that competitive racing aspect to some of these FKTs. And it's happened in the past with circumstances like when the North Face 50 got canceled and those three women ran the Grand Canyon in like a week, all super, super fast. Um, but we saw that kind of thing happen this year, you know, like on the Adirondacks where Alyssa Godeski and Sarah Keys were both out there like at the same time. I don't know, you know, Buzz, you would know perhaps better than me, but cases where there are two people at the same time on the same trails going for the FKT, um, 
in that sort of competitive aspect is something that I don't think we necessarily would have seen in a year where everybody was out doing races and that that sort of race style came over here to the FKT world. And, you know, the Nolans getting traded back and forth, that sort of thing. But just, um, you know, uh, it seems sort of self-evident to say that there were more FKTs set this year than in past years because there were no races. But really, that competitive angle was something that I thought was was really interesting and really cool when it happened in those cases like Adirondacks and Nolans. Wow, you're right. Alex, you are a good qualified voter. This is, uh, I like this. This is this is good. So people should know that there was 2,784. Wow. FKTs set. It's actually for North America, which is United States and Canada. That's a lot to sort through. And there's about 37, I think, on the nominations list. So you two, as well as about 30 other people, have to sort through those 37. And yeah, yeah. And with his theme, Hillary, on the competitive list, I'm looking down this list here, and there were some of these where people just went after it, went back and forth over the span of just a few weeks. Yeah. And this was super, so inspiring to see. Uh, so like a couple of things to piggyback off of what Alex said. I mean, yes, he mentioned Nolan's. Nolan's is a huge iconic route, linking the like 14,000 14, meter 14,000 feet <laughs> peak. <laughs> Sorry, I've been in Europe too long. Um, 14,000 foot peaks, uh, you know, in Colorado, um, off trail. And I would, I mean, something that actually stood out to me, I know maybe there was more press around um, Megan Hicks and Sabrina Stanley kind of going back and forth on the Nolans and like taking it back from one another. Megan Hicks had it from last year and then Sabrina took it and then Megan took it back and then Sabrina took it back. It was quite epic and it was in a pretty short period of time to do such a gnarly 100 mile route but um who who was it on the women's side um Sarah Hansel she she actually did the Nolans unsupported and earlier this year and she got the overall FKT before there was even that battle so and of course the Megan's and Sabrina's were supported so there's a little bit of a style there but um, you know, shout out to Sarah for that. Cause that's pretty impressive. And then not to mention on the ma- the male side, um, Joey Capanelli just crushing the Nolan's route, like the unsupported. And he just blew the supported route, like FKT out of the water. Um, and then, I mean, not even to mention that, like, I think the competitiveness, like the, what I noticed on the women's side too, is that there are a lot of FKTs just set overall on the women's side. And, um, and also just like times that the women threw down that were kind of, you know, like the best, like the, you know, top to five top, um, I, to a couple of just off the top of my head or Corinne, um, uh, Malcolm's time on the TRT, the Tahoe room trail were supported. And she was the fourth fastest time out there. Um, same with Caitlin Gerben who ran the Wonderland trail and she was the fourth fastest time, like out there. And that was also cool because Dylan um, Bowman, a teammate on the North Face, they were like, you know, a week apart, like kind of pacing each other. And then, yeah. And then, of course, who was it that took it from from Dylan like a week after Dylan took it? <laughs> it was uh, Tyler Green. Yeah, of course, Tyler Green. And so there's, yeah, this kind of like competitive nature, but these are all like, you know, kind of solo, um, solo or kind of their own little mini teams. Um Right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Nolan's here. Wow, yeah. Hillary. In case the listeners aren't aware of this, it was like eight years before Nolan's was done once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, the, the Nolan's is a slightly different one in that it isn't open ended. 
unless you've done it under 60 hours, you haven't done it. It's a particular challenge. It took people like eight years or so. And then it was done like maybe once every other year. And now it's being done every other week. Yeah. So dang. I know. It was a really popular one here in in Colorado. I think people in the front range are going a little bit stir crazy. Um, (laughs) But yeah, something that I just, I really like to see too, is that there, you know, there were some, just some female times that were just, you know, some, some, some that went after um, like uh, an unsupported effort and ended up being kind of faster than the actual supported effort. Um, that was Kelly Haplin on the Wind River range. She was, uh, the Wind River high route, which is an iconic route in, um, kind of the high route in the, in the Wind River range in Wyoming, pretty remote, um, technical. And she, her effort was unsupported, but her time was actually faster than the supported time. So that was, that was, that was pretty cool. It was very cool. And listeners, definitely go on to the article on the website if you want to check out more of these. The article on the website has links. You can click through the link and you can read Kelly Halpin's trip report, which is like, wow. <laughs> I mean, the Wind River High Road, which I actually named it. Like, yeah. It's something I still, I'm, oh man, it's on my list. And so it's like all of these things are super inspiring to me because Right. I just, it's so cool to see the creativity and, you know, what people can accomplish when, you know, they're maybe a little. But this was a fast packing route, right? Yeah. That, that's what it was. I mean, you go mm-hmm. up there, you, you bring your lightweight kit. Yeah. Kelly didn't do that. Kelly went out there and she just wrote, I carried no tent, no sleeping bag, and no stove. She just threw down and said, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going high, I'm going long by myself. Oh, man, I like that. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, and, well, and another, like, a shout out to the to Maddie Gould, too. It's another example of like the Superior Hiking Trail where she went for the unsupported time and she came out with the best time, like overall, like, un- like unsupported overall. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yes. Well, Alex, you're up there in the uh, Pacific Northwest. So all of a sudden, the Wonderland Trail blew <laughs> up, didn't it? So you were approving all these FKTs this summer. You kind of had your work cut out to you for you just on one route. Well, and and they would come across and you would just sort of say, OK, well, that's so fast. There's, you know, there's, <laughs> here's my last Wonderland FKT for the year. Nobody's beaten this. And then two weeks later, you know, somebody came in and, you know, actually, you know, Caitlin and Tyler Green both got nominated for their very, very fast runs on it. There were 10 different FKTs set on the Wonderland Trail this year. Once you add up all the different styles, uh, all the genders, and then um, Christoph Tuescher, or Tuescher, uh, who uh, he doesn't, he does very, very long things. He did a triple Wonderland Trail, which is one of those, un, you know, only known time things that I don't think we're going to see too many folks coming around to do to uh chase him on that one but the wonderland was super active this year uh that was really kind of the hot spot for the pacific northwest um you know but a couple other ones that that jumped out to me first of all i do want to keep the kelly halpin cheerleading going on for just one minute here i think that she's really (laughs) underrated by people nationally because it's hard to compare her to other a lot of other women runners because no one else can do what she does yeah she doesn't race often uh you know when two people do a race and person a does it in two hours and person b does it in three hours it's easy okay well person a is faster she doesn't really race a lot of the routes that she does don't have female times or don't have any times on them uh that 
you can compare it to. And because so much of it is in the Tetons, unless you're there in the Tetons, like knowing what these routes are like, it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, that looks really hard, but I've never been there and I don't know. And so um, she's somebody who I feel like should get a way more attention as an elite runner for what she's doing up there in the mountains uh, in the Grand Tetons. It's really rad. And she's uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, well, just Alex, just to note that, that's very interesting, isn't it? Because there's the ultra runners, right? They race and there's a number. The number's on the wall. They can publicize it. Boom. But in FKT, it's still a number, but it's hard for people to relate to it. Like the Wind River High Route. Okay, what is that? What does that mean? And the fact that it's you know close to 100 miles and one third of it's off trail and it's above timberline. Still, you look at that uh, you know 90 some miles and you go, well, that's not that fast. Yeah, right. Give that a try and see what you think. But now it's coming back around, as you said, with the pandemic and people couldn't race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, you know. A couple other ones that the Joey Campanelli on Nolans has been mentioned, but this was absolutely unreal. I mean, to beat the supported time by more than five hours and not just any supported time. The two supported times are Iker Carrera, who's been on the podium of UTMB twice, not exactly a slow guy, and Alex Nichols, <laughs> who whoever enters... Uh, his results on ultra sign up, there's a problem with their keyboard. There aren't any numbers on it except one, two, and three. <laughs> when you look at his his results and where he places, I mean, these are very, very fast times that, that Campanelli beat. And it's actually really interesting. Uh, I was listening to Jason Coop's podcast and he did an episode with Blake Wood about no, all about Nolan's. And this was back before Joey's run. And uh, Blake was part of putting the route together. He was part of the group that did it for the first time. He's quite a runner. He's a runner himself. He did uh, five loops at Barkley. And he said in it that he thought the fastest possible time that, and this is his words, the best people in the world might be able to do was 42 or 43 hours. Joey Campanelli did it in 41. And so that really jumped out to me as like, this is a seriously, seriously fast time. Um, You know, so I wanted to show props there. And then another one that jumped out to me in a huge way was Eric Gilbertson doing this Rocky Mountain Slam. Now, uh, Eric is a Washington local. And so I've sort of seen him do stuff for a couple of years now. And he is a very, very, very strong hiker and runner. Uh, He did the Bulger Peaks here in Washington State, which is our 100 highest mountains in 13 months, which is just unreal. I think the previous time before that was like four years. and Because this route, so it was all the Colorado 14ers, all the Wyoming 13ers, and all the Montana 12ers in 60 days, nine hours. And because this was a Montana and Wyoming one, I got the FKT came across my desk when when he submitted it. And I got the email and I thought there was a mistake. (laughs) I'm misunderstanding something. This can't be what it looks like, right? There's just no way. And I sent it to Peter and I was like, Peter, like... I, I, are we reading this correctly? Like, what's the deal? I mean, that was so amazing to do that many mountains that quickly in an area that he's not familiar with. He's a Washington guy, not a, you know, not a Colorado guy, not a Montanan. Um, and so this is, you know, this may or may not be the FKT of the year for men, but it is, I think, the, the FKT of 2020 that is least likely to ever be broken because that is just such a huge uh, commitment and requires so many skills. I thought, Buzz, the episode you did with him was really good, talking about how many different things you need to do that kind of an effort. You know, the fitness and endurance to go hard for 60 days. Fifth, you know, there's fifth class climbing. 
in the Wyoming 13ers. There's very complex scrambling in Montana in those 12ers. And then the navigation to just figure out where to go and how to link these up where, you know, for the 14ers, yeah, that might be well documented, but, um, you know, so much of this, just having to figure it out on the fly, that was right. an extraordinary effort. And, uh, well, that I think Hil that. Hillary right now is taking notes, and she's trying to decide if she wants to go for this one next year. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, th for this one, I, I will say I, I don't like to tell people what to do. People should do whatever inspires them. And, you know, I don't want to be the, the guy who's like, oh, you know, so-and-so should do this and this. But I thought the only way to – when I was uh, thinking about it, the only way for this to get cooler would be for – uh, Justin Simone to do it all on a bike because oh. that would be awesome. And so and that was what I thought about. And yeah. yeah. And so I don't know if Justin listens or not, but you know, right. Have a fun well, summer doing that someday. Well, yeah. uh, well, Eric Gilbertson was interested and we'll put link to the podcast in the written show notes. So you'll be able to track that down easily, but it was rather dramatic. Um, and like you said, I'm not sure if he's going to get FKT of the year, but it is impressive in that. Wow. The guy goes out and does all the Colorado 14ers, all the Wyoming 13ers, which up until that summer had never even been done. Mm -hmm. And you just, in the Montana 12s, and you just piled it all on sequentially in a total of 60 days. And then contrast that with something that Hillary said, I think, early on in this podcast with someone like Kyle Richardson on mm -hmm. Long's Peak, right? Yeah. It's the opposite. It's the yeah. opposite. I mean, when Kyle did Long's Peak and You've done long speak, Hillary, and you, you look at this time, and the only way you can do that is if you memorize each rock in advance. Yeah. So exactly, like something, and remind me of the time of Kyle. It was under two hours. I think it, yeah, it was 155. Okay, one, okay, 155. Um, still, this has been, this FKT has been around for a long time, and he beat it by seconds. So it's like... You and and I mean I know just like when I've had like a, a fifty kilometer race like you know fighting for the podium and like going back another year in a row like I want to know I want to know the course it's like the more you know the course the better you get but like a rate a, a a route like this I mean it's it's primarily I mean this route is you don't follow the switchbacks it is like a route so you have to know kind of like where to go kind of the line to take. And also, like, when you're running that fast down a 14-er, like, it's quite dangerous. Like, it's insane. <laughs> like, And um, so it's just the amount of, I think, so, yes, his FKT was maybe under two hours and it was done in an afternoon or a morning or whenever he did it. But that is also, I think, the compilation of years of work of trying to, you know, really put that effort in, dial it in. Um, and, you know, so he can, like, take down. How long has this, how, how long has that FKT on Long's Peak been around? Well, my friend Chris Reveley said it just yeah. forever ago. I mean, just absurd. This was from 1978. <laughs> and then it wasn't until a couple of years ago that Andy Anderson, who also, by the way, was a ranger stationed at the Longs Peak Ranger Station. Mm -hmm. They both were, by the way. Then he finally broke uh, Chris Reveley's record. And then, as you just mentioned, uh, our guy... Kyle broke it by less than one minute. Yeah. And that's uh, that, that's a solid minute. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he got that minute entirely on the descent. He was a little slower going up. And so I could quote from Kyle, if you don't mind. Yeah. He said, I was 100% in the zone, realizing I was doing it for the love and the mastery. The flow was insane. <laughs> 
That's different, isn't it? So like yeah. you two said at the beginning, look at this range we have. We have uh, things like the Colorado Trail, which took many days, and Eric, you just talked about, which took 60 days. And then you have someone just going all out, going under two hours, and they're all on the same list that you two are going to be voting for. <laughs> and that our listeners definitely should you know, click on the article and read about these efforts because it's so fun reading about this. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, and what, it's what makes it so hard to vote because it's like, you see the dedication that like, you know, that everyone has put into all of these, whether it's an insane planning or just like, you know, practicing these routes. So they, you know, can shave off that, that minute, like Kyle did on that route. I mean, it, it's uh regardless if it's, you know, self-supported or unsupported, it's like, yeah, it's really hard because there's been a lot of um, impressive efforts that have been put out there. Um, and I have to mention like Casey Litzig, she, so she did. Is that, that one wasn't competitive. She's too fast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, so she's done the robust trace nature trail, which is like, she's done it North or she's done it each direction. And so this FKT <laughs> was on the nominations list is for an out and back. And she PR'd for a hundred miles, um, her own hundred mile PR while she was ra- running this FKT. And she ran of the for a hundred miles in fifteen hours twelve minutes, and then she said the legs fell off, which is you know understandably so. But she still, <laughs> she still got the FKT, which was um, it was a hundred twenty six mile uh, trail, so in twenty yeah. hours six minutes. So yeah, yeah okay. Was- I mean, in route she runs a hundred miles, a little over fifteen hours, and this yeah. is on a crusher fine trail. No, this, this is not on a rubberized asphalt track. No. No. So yeah, that was, that was quite impressive too. Just like going big, you know, on things that you've never done before. Um, well, here's just a note here. You mentioned the Wabash Trace Nature, Nature Trail. That's mm-hmm. Iowa. Mm-hmm. We mentioned the TRT, the Tower Rim Trail in California. Superior Hiking Trail, Minnesota. Nolan's is Colorado. Wonderland is Washington. So we're, I like it. We have a good geographic distribution here. That, of course, the Prezi. Uh, yeah. The New Englanders, that, the New Englanders of always been competitive. I mean, the rest of the country is kind of going from adventure to really taking the times down the routes, but the New Englanders have been going after each other for a long time. And I would say that every year, every year there is, and this isn't because like, you know, Buzz and you and me are based here in Colorado. It's not because of that, but it's just because there's a lot of density of, uh, of trail runners that live in the front range. And so I think there's a lot of FKT routes that have been established. So there's going to be a lot of competition. So you're going to see a lot of, you know, submissions or attempts and competitive times on things like Nolan's or, you know, even, even the Boulder skyline that was, you know, submitted for on the men's and women's side, men's side was Joe Gray and women's side was Bailey. I cannot pronounce her last name. (laughs) I'm sorry, Bailey. Um, Bailey. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, throwing down big competitive times on that, but also, like you said, um, on the East Coast, like it's super, it's super competitive. You always see like every year that I've been voting, I've seen like a ton of competition on FKTs um, out that way. So yeah, the Prezi and the Pemi, these guys oh, don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Pemi Loop had eight new FKTs set on it between different styles and uh, and genders. And 
you know, it's amazing. I have a friend who lives in New Hampshire and who he was, he competed for the uh, Pemi Loop FKT back in like 2015 and 16. And, you know, now, and he was, you know, right around where the FKT was at the time. And now he would be, he's hours off. <laughs> it advanced so much in just these past couple of years. People are doing that so fast now. And um, yeah, it's, it's really something. <laughs> well, this is, <laughs> I want to uh, note the range we have here. So uh, Hillary just mentioned the Boulder Skyline Traverse, uh, actually a new route this year. But who, what male, you mentioned, of course, Bailey, and you mentioned Joe Gray. Now, who is Joe Gray? Joe Gray, of course, is the best mountain trail runner you have not heard of. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Who, like... No, no question. Met, he lives in Clotter Springs, but he's like, literally, you put him against the best in the world, and he just like wins. He's he's so talented. he wins everything. He wins everything, and he's. Uh, I mean, I would say mountain running, right? So he's he's more of the shorter distance. Um, oh my gosh, he's he, and I mean, he's one. I was like following him before I got into trail running. I remember when I ran my first vertical kilometer in outside of like Aspen, Colorado, he was like cheering for me. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this guy's a celebrity. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's, he's just been crushing it. Exactly. Him and like, has anyone ever heard of Megan Kimmel? Same thing. (laughs) Megan is totally the same thing. They don't do social media. Isn't that interesting? There's people who do social media and, and spray all about, and there's people who win races. <laughs> and Megan and Joe, I mean, Megan won, uh, of course, Zagama, you know, in Spain. Yeah, Megan won Zagama. And then she also, let's see, she, I remember this European championship, this trail race. It's a 60 kilometer trail race that climbed. So 60 kilometer is like, what, 40 something miles. Um, mm-hmm. And it climbed about mm, like, you know, 16,000, 18,000 feet. Um, she won it, you know, just a European championship. So it's like she has talent from these super short technical races all the way up to the ultra distance. I mean, she did, what does she do? TDS, I think uh, a few years ago, and she still did really well in ECC as well. Right. Yeah. Well, this this shows you the range. We mentioned our geographic range, the distance range here, where some people are, are on the nominations list for a, a going sub two hours, up to 60 days. Uh, the Tower Rim Trail, you know, a couple of days. But I want to note that for you, me, well, maybe not you, Hillary, but me and Alex, you know, we can still go off and do FKTs, can't we? Alex, you, you're seeing a bunch of stuff coming in. So I kind of want to just balance the equation out here that you don't have to be a Joe Gray to set an FKT. You can find things in your backyard, right? Things mm-hmm. that, you know, you know about, other people don't know about and go out and get on those. And I bet, Alex, you saw a few of those come through in the Pacific Northwest, didn't you? Things that weren't maybe the Wonderland Trail, but things maybe in the Olympics or someplace like that. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot more sort of the uh, filling in of the gaps in some of these areas where people are going out and finding the, the the things that haven't been on the website, the things that maybe they're a classic hiking route that a lot of people, it's a, a very popular three-day hike for, for a backpacker. And it's like, well, you know, I think I can do that and I can run that and do it in a single push in a day, finding those kind of things and then getting them up on the map. I do think one thing I want to mention though on that is there still are huge holes in the map. Um, you know, in areas around Boulder and Seattle, you know, Portland, we are starting to get pretty filled in with some of these. But, you know, I was 
scrolling through Montana and Wyoming, uh, looking at routes before this, and there are huge blank spaces. There's only one route on the FKT website in Yellowstone National Park. There, you cannot tell me with a straight face that there's only one route worth running in Yellowstone. It's amazing. And so what's out there? You know, somebody, somebody do something and email me about it. You know, there are zero routes in the Bob Marshall wilderness in Montana. And I know for a fact that people do all sorts of awesome stuff out there because, you know, I've read about it in trip reports. And so, you so know, Alex, this- I think I am watching here and Hillary's taking notes on what you're saying now. She, she's creating her 2021 to-do list. <laughs> well, there's, you know, there's stuff out there to do in <laughs> and we we got to get these filled in because there is so much awesome terrain out there in um you know and and you I think uh, you just have to be a little bit maybe more creative because you know if you're as fast as Jim Walms then you can just go out and do anything and it's going to be impressive and and the rest of the rest of us mortals we have to maybe look at the map a little bit more and be a little bit more creative but we can do stuff too yeah and I think the coolest thing too is like and this is something different that I've seen this year a lot of the the nominated FKTs of the year are just running I mean maybe they involved a little scrambling but before I think we were seeing maybe this is because there's more races um and FKTs I think for me are like trying to be creative but there's a lot more like linking up like cycling to um you know like linking up these FKTs running routes with a bike or you know something else um or some proper climbing but a lot of these have just been like super big efforts like on on two feet so yeah but i like that where, where you're going with that alex as far as like being creative and fkt of the year doesn't just mean running it can be like multi-sport too yeah right. and i re- i really want to piggyback on that because sometimes that's not even necessarily an fkt at all but when you are incorporating the bike incorporating the multi-sport stuff that is i think it's really cool to me and it isn't you know a new thing you know the people have been you know, guys climbing the north face of the Matterhorn rode their bikes there back in the 1930s, that kind of stuff. But it does seem like it's happening more and more. And it can be, you know, even if it's not an FKT, it's a way to make a route rad and inspiring. An example, I think of this this woman here in Seattle, Jen Petrit, rode her bike 100 miles to Glacier Peak, did Glacier Peak in a single push, which is, you know, 30 miles, 10,000 feet again, and then rode her bike 100 miles back. And, you know, she didn't set an FKT on Glacier Peak, but who cares? That's awesome. And that kind of thing, it just totally gets me psyched. And it's again, you know, I'm, I'll say I'm probably the slowest person to have ever been interviewed on this podcast. And so I, you know, there are times when I get down in the dumps about, oh, I'm so slow and I can never do anything cool. And then you, you know, you read about this kind of, and you're like, oh no, I just have to, I just have to think a little bit more and be a little bit more creative and look at the map with a new set of eyes. Um, you know, and that's something I'm really resolved to try to do more of in 2021. I've always been kind of a drive to the trailhead kind of guy. Uh, I want to try to think about how can I use my bike? You know, I, how can I do things a little bit differently and, uh, and, and add that X factor in? And that's something I think is just so cool. And I love the creativity and complexity that comes along with that. Wow. Good call, Alex. I like that. I'm not sure if you're the slowest person ever, but uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's interesting competition. We could, we could next year, next year we can make, become more egalitarian and have a, a co-award, the slowest known time. <laughs> in the meantime, you know, Hillary has been practicing what you just recommended. Hillary is on the gravel bike, aren't you, Hillary? Oh, yeah. And actually, that was some of my favorite. I didn't set any FKTs. Um, I didn't submit any, because, like in, in, in France, but that was kind of my MO. I didn't have a car. And so I would just take my gravel bike. And sometimes I was on gravel roads. They're pretty gnarly in France. Um, but other times I was on 
just a regular road. Like I got to go up to um, Col de Iseron. I'm going to say that wrong, but um, it's like the top, one of the tallest coals in France. Uh, they go like the Tour de France goes over it. And I, you know, packed up my bike, had my running shoes in tow with my, and I, you know, rode to this little to a national park, um, Venoise. And I did this like 60 K loop that loop that was a race, but of course that didn't happen that year. Then I rode my bike back and it was, you know, it turned into be this like epic adventure. Um, so yeah, I was doing that all summer and that's like how I love to train just like r- driving, driving quote unquote, my bike into the trailhead and just kind of coming up with cool adventures. It just makes it just, yeah, it just makes it totally different. Um, oh, well, last year, not this year, since it was canceled, but you did Dirty Kansas. Oh, yeah. You, did. you did 200 miles on the Kansas Flint Hills gravel, and you yeah. did it in like 14 some hours. That 14 was hours in like five minutes, something like that. So, how many seconds? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I was actually only like two months of training on a gravel bike, so anything is possible. I had just like just learned to do anything is possible, and you did indeed beat oh my gosh, I forgot his name, but you beat one of the pro riders on the educational first world tour team. Hey, wow. Yeah. But Hale he Finney. had a bad day. He had many well, flats. He had seven flats, but <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, Hillary. You had to mention that Taylor Finney had seven <laughs> flats. But still, on the yeah. score sheet, uh, yeah. you beat a world team pro writer. So. Oh, sweet. Well, but, um, and I mean, so exactly. So like this kind of stuff is just like, there's adventure to be had everywhere and anywhere. And I think it's really cool. Like it's the simplicity of a bike. You can just kind of like, you know, put a saddle bag on there, a frame bag, and, you know, throw some snacks and uh, a pair of running shoes and just have a, a nice full day out. And it can kind of turn any like normal run into kind of a more adve- epic adventure. Um, Great. Well, this is a, thanks for getting this going, Alex, because Hillary's all over it. And as you know, he's not on the nomination list, but we probably should mention Jason Hardrath, who's at 96 FKTs and counting including, as you mentioned, Alex, he biked from, uh, not Seattle, but from the ocean up to the base of Mount Rainier and did Rainier and bike back again. And he took the uh, Teton picnic concept, which is biking from Jackson, swimming across Ginny Lake, which is a bit brisk, and then climbing the Grand Teton and coming back and repeating it. And he did that on Mount Shasta and a few other places. So that's the so-called picnic, which is a triathlon. And Hillary, as you know, we have a triathlon outside of Boulder, the Longs Peak duathlon or triathlon, where people bike from the city of Boulder up to the base of Longs Peak and do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's right. That's right. I'd like to just keep that in mind for everyone who's listening, which is you don't have to be, as Alex said, Jim Walmsley to set an FKT. You can be a little more creative, do something in your backyard. Yeah. And actually I'm, I wanted to mention this, um, this, it that gave me just a laugh because it's, it's like so ridiculous, but yet so epic. Um, Greg Cummings, uh, you know, this is in yeah. his backyard. So he took an FKT. So we're talking about, you know, like some FKT nominations that were less than two hours. Well, this one was a, like a 365 day effort. Um, so Manitou incline. So it's basically the most ascents in a year. Um, so that takes a lot of dedication to do. Wow. Uh, Hillary, thanks for bringing that up. This is really fun. Gosh, this is so fun. So Greg Cummings, the minute to incline is really short, but he did it multiple times in a day, every day over the span of a year. He did 
it 1,825 times, mm-hmm. which totaled 3.6 million vertical feet. Oh, and, and wait a minute. over a million this year, but dang. Wait a minute. He has type 1 diabetes and he's 62 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and his wife almost divorced him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's that too. No, I mean for doing the FKT, you know. But then she, she, you know, recognized the the stubbornness and how you know um, appealing and endearing that quality is. Well, that's interesting. We we I, we don't know the backstory. She either might have left him if he didn't get it, but exactly. once he got it, she decided to stick. I, we don't know those things. Yeah. But exactly. And I mean, yeah, the incline is very uh, short, but it's a uh, 68%, I think, or something like this. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So. Well, that's a good example of the range. And like you just said, he's 62 years old. Yeah. So Alex, I think there is hope for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got a few more decades, a couple more decades then where I can get my FKT in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I appreciate that. So you two... We don't actually divulge the voters list, but I should let everybody know that I try to select the voters from a gender diversity and geographic and age. So people from all over the country and so on and so forth. But we actually don't divulge the people, but now they know about you two. Oh, no. So if someone wants to you know, move up on the list, Hillary, uh, what bribes would you accept? I mean, what, what would it take to get you to vote for a number one? A really cool FKT. <laughs> no, boom. Good answer. She, this woman cannot be bought. How about you, Alex? You know, what I'm interested in is, you know, see, is there anybody who's doing any kind of gambling action on this? Because, you know, it's probably, you know, Buzz and Peter might think it's unethical for me to try to little make a little money there. But I'm a University of Washington guy. And so I think in the spirit of Rick Neuheisel, I should be allowed to get something going there. And yeah, that's in me. <laughs> no, I, I doubt that. Uh, but yeah, I'd be interested to... Uh, it's always interesting, I think, also to go through and read the comments to the articles that you post with both the winners and the nominations, because, uh, you know, we get to see what the voters think, obviously, because they pick somebody. But uh, hearing some of those community voices are really cool, too. And sometimes people will point out things that maybe I haven't thought of or other folks haven't thought of. And so uh, I always like to go and read the comments on those. And I encourage people to, uh, if they have thoughts to share about what things that stood out to them, things that they loved, um, Things that you know. Here's a factor to consider. Something I, I'm, I always think it's interesting to check those out. Right. The stories are really good. You can look at the numbers, but the stories are so good. And just speaking a little more seriously here, this podcast is releasing on December 25th, and the voting concludes on December 23rd. So in reality, it's too late to try to bribe. Alex or Hillary. And in reality, the voting is extremely objective. So hopefully I didn't offend anyone by my little joke there. I've <laughs> been on the Google form. It comes in, everyone gets an equal vote and it's extremely fair. It's an extremely objective vote. And it's just uh, the way it goes is if any of the voters, each voter will go five points for first, four points for second, down to one point for fifth place and we add them up and the high score wins and it's just female and male. That's it. And so it's a very simple objective system. And I'm going to tell you two something that only I know 
nobody, in all the years we've been doing it, I should say no two people have ever voted the same slate. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That's fascinating. Yeah. So there's no landslide. So what happens is like Hillary, I'm sensing she likes those unsupported, those self-reliant efforts. Alex, I, I can't read you. I'm not sure how you voted. And I don't know these things even. But if you add them all together, people have their different value systems. It comes out really well. You know what I mean? Democracy works. It's this big tent of diverse opinions, and the end result tends to represent the community. I agree. I mean, I'm not surprised that actually no one has voted the same. I think we're all like pretty opinionated, but I think it gives a, co a good representation. I think um, maybe no one votes the exact same, but I think it's like, you know, there can be some overlap of some what people agree are some really cool or impressive efforts. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, going through the timetable here. So one week from today, which is coincidentally New Year's Day, we are going to announce some, not all of the winners. So we'll have a podcast then. This will be on social media. There'll be an article on the website. And what we did last year is do the number five, four, and number three winners. Probably do the same thing, but to be honest, I'm not guaranteeing it. <laughs> And then the following week, then we do the final winners. And so we sort of do a countdown. And then the article on the whole topic gets uh, goes out in a press release for all the uh, outdoor media. And we also have an article in Ultra Running Magazine, which comes out in their February issue. So that's the timetable. So people ought to continue to listen in. And they can go to the article on the website and post your comments uh, about what the listeners think should have won. We're happy to hear comments. And indeed, some of the people wrote in comments and they nominated people that we didn't have on the nominations list, and I added them. So we, we definitely listened to the feedback. So what do you guys think? What's your, what's your wrap-up here? I mean, you mentioned, gosh, Alex, you were extremely well-informed. I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. You commented about what you were seeing in the Pacific Northwest, and you commented on Nolan's, what you saw there. Any final wrap-up here on the Fastest Known Time of the Year Award for 2020 in North America? Well, one thing I will be interested to see is um, the three long trails and what starts happening with those again. You know, obviously, uh -huh. there some people did hike the three long trails this year despite COVID, but there was generally an attitude of, please don't do this. Please stay away from these small towns along the trail. And so there wasn't really any, much action on them. And um, Liz Anjos, I might be mispronouncing that last name. She did the AT uh, northbound supported in 51 days, but that was the only FKT set on any of the three long trails. Uh, and then, you know, on the PCT, there hasn't been an FKT set since 2016 for men and 2013 for women. And we don't even have the Continental Divide Trail on the website. Uh, Heather Anderson has the female time, I'm sure, but uh, I don't even know who it is for men. And so, uh, I, you know, these are obviously really long and difficult endeavors and, you know, huge kudos to whoever is going out to try them. But I'll be interested to see if in 2021 or in 2022, when will it be that people start coming back to uh, the three long trails and seeing about, you know, is anybody ever ready to take on that Carol Sabi time, or, you know, or, or what, but um, 
that's something that I'm interested to see what happens in the coming years. But and then do you make the choice of, you know, would I rather do that or would I rather do something like what Eric Gilbertson did, where I make my own route and I make up something that's cool and something that, you know, is maybe athletically different, but creatively more so, you know, folks who are out there deciding what to do are going to have to make those kind of choices. And I'm fascinated to see, I can't wait to see what people do. That's, you know, getting these emails is always really exciting and seeing whether it's somebody who takes a classic route, like the Appalachian trail and just breaks it off super fast. That's rad. Somebody who makes up something new and links up the lines that nobody else saw could be linked together. That's totally awesome as well. And uh, it's always a delight to to see what people out in our community are coming up with, what they're thinking about and uh, and how fast they're doing it. Wow. Sharp observation there, Alex. The three biggies had minimal action this year. Well, things like the Wonderland and Nolans just blew up. Uh, Hillary, what do you think? Yeah, well, actually, I remember earlier this year, I had you on Buzz to my podcast on um, the Trainwreck podcast for CTS. And we kind of were calling it as the the year of the FKT. And I definitely think that that obviously was a trend um, because I think it feeds, you know, people's competitive spirit to kind of go out there and push themselves, even though it's not like a race. So I, I, I definitely think that that's going to continue. And this whole idea of FKTs is just, just going to start to blow up. Um even more so. I mean, in definitely from what I've seen in Europe, but obviously continuing to do so in the United States. And I mean, I would like to see, um, I would like to see the style kind of continue to evolve because I think what's really cool about FKTs um, that you can't have in a race is the kind of the level of support. So I think it's a really cool thing to be able to go out there and push your own limits in, you know, in the mountains and get to experience that kind of like, you know, that. I don't know. I think Joe Grant, um, he, he, he said this, um, beautifully in his FKT last year where he linked the, a bunch of the Colorado, the highest peaks in Colorado by bike. Um, but you're kind of looking for that solitude and, um, you're looking for that kind of like solitary experience. Um, and then you also find yourself connected, um, you know, when you're out there pushing limits and, and discovering new routes, even if they're new to you. Um, or in a style that's new to you, like trying something, um, you know, without the support of a, of a support crew or just, you know, even a tent, you know, like, <laughs> like there's no bailout option. I mean, you, you just want to go out there and see how, how far you can go. I mean, changing the style, even on a familiar route can change the whole experience. So nice races are races. They're probably going to be coming back to some degree and you'd like to see FKTs kind of maintain their own style, yeah. which is a little bit of the adventure. Yeah. Or just encourage people to kind of try the different styles. Like, yeah, races are gone, but hey, that means maybe you can try this different thing and see what trail running is all about if, uh, you know, it's under your, all, all of your own your own power and planning. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, everyone, please stay tuned. We got this coming back the next couple of weeks. Actually, probably in the next four weeks because we're gearing up Fastest Known Time of the Year Award for Europe. So that's going to come along in January. Europe, obviously, has been doing this for decades. So we're going to have a special FKT of the Year Award for Europe so you can learn what's happening over there. Because that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. The whole idea is to build community by learning and being inspired by each other. So stay tuned. And if you're liking this podcast, please click those five stars. 
on Spotify and Apple iTunes, because that way people find us. Subscribe, please, because that kind of helps the uh, conversation keep going. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please support it however you may do so. Hillary and Alex, you two are really good. You two are very knowledgeable. I'm glad you're voting. I think anyone who is nominated and listened to this podcast are saying, I'm glad those two are voting. They know what they're talking about. Hope so too. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we're at least good at faking it, right? (laughs) No, no faking it. We just—it's for the love of the game. (laughs) You know, trail running.